quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Oh, yes, guy. Here we go again. Episode number 87. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you, and let's do the weekly check-in. Mr. Lefko, how are you this week, sir? I am doing spectacular. Wow, that was a nice bouncy see. I like that. Coming up in the broadcast, Josh Lewenberg, our Raptors reporter, very shortly uh, from uh, CFL and TSN headquarters. Rod Smith will be by, and Jason Portwondo will join us in segment number three with an interesting story about horse racing. In the meantime, looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker REMAX West Realty Brokerage, has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So, looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anyone. And check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic, available now in titanium gold or matte black. Or you could buy all three. Go to fox40shop.com. Guest number one, our Raptors reporter, Josh Lewenberg. Josh, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So I want to go back 11 years to Centennial College, the sports journalism (laughs) postgrad program. And I have, you might recall this book, Josh, it was a blue marking book that I had as your instructor. And I have the Uh-oh. total class list in front of me. And I have your mark, Did actually, and it is the top, the top of that class. So congratulations. Okay. I see a bright future for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, actually, upon further review, you did not pass the course. You did not fulfill your requirements. You actually have to go back. No, you you passed with flying colors. And what was obvious to me, even in that class, was, and I should just sort of fill out the blanks here, Uh, you asked me to to get you in an internship on this new station called TSN 1050, and I just started there months before because it, it launched months before, and you hit the ground running there. But it was clear to me, even in that class, you had superior NBA knowledge. Where did that all come from? I grew up a basketball fan. I mean, I'm the Raptors. Uh, I was, I think, seven, eight years old when, when the Raptors came to into existence in '95. I wasn't even a sports fan really at the time. Like, I got into the Raptors, and through that, I got into basketball and the NBA, and through that, I became a sports fan. But it's something that I always loved. I think, and, and maybe it's uh, the kind of stubborn side of me where I grew up and all my friends were like a lot of people in Toronto, Canada were hockey fans. And I just said, no, I I, I don't like hockey. I want something else. And and that's where I fell in love with basketball. And and it just sort of fell into my lap and in the right place at the right time, where, as you mentioned, Jim, um, I started interning at TSN 1050, I think it was June 2011. So it would have been three or four months after the April 2011 launch of 1050. And actually, that was the year of the NBA lockout. So there was no NBA season at the time, and there was no really NBA plan at the station. I mean, obviously, for for a station that was just launching, I think a lot of people were just sort of figuring things out. And then when the NBA lockout ended in December, they needed somebody to go and cover games at the time i was just holding a mic up in scrums but it was great to get my foot in the door the raptors were not a very good team at the time i think they were four or five seasons into what at the time was a five-year playoff drought 
Uh, so it, it was a great experience at the time as the team was growing, I was growing and learning along with them. And by the time uh, they were winning again, hopefully at that time I was a little bit better and a little bit more experienced. And, and here we are now more than a decade later, I'm getting set, set to start season number 12 in October. Josh, I'm going back 50 years when your dad was playing in the Bathurst Manor Community Association, he was a fine softball player. So I'm just wondering if, if sports just was part of the Lewinberg uh, curriculum. Well, my dad was definitely a big part of the reason why I got into basketball to begin with, because I think like me, he, yeah, he's probably a bigger hockey fan, or at least he was than, than I am, but he was into basketball. He played a lot. He, he watched the NBA so, yeah, I, I think that sort of just came with the territory growing up where we had a hoop outside of the, the house and, and we would go out there and play. Um, as I got older, I think this would have been in like high school. I was doing like we were doing two on two tournaments outside of my house, like very organized stuff. Daniel Dale, actually of uh, CNN fame, he uh, lived on my street at times. So he always tells stories about how I was like pretty strict commissioner of the two on two leagues going on outside of the house. Uh, but yeah, that was something I, I mean, I've always been around basketball. So it was just something that I, I grew up loving. So here's a question I asked to anybody that's involved in sports journalism. When did you know that's what you wanted to do? Sports journalism, sports broadcasting. Pretty early, pretty early. I mean, that was always the dream, but I think like I had the dream and I lacked the execution for a lot of years. Like I did my undergrad in uh, English at uh, York, and that's something, I, I mean, there are tra definitely transferable skills there. It, English just being that I, I always like to read, I always like to write, I, I felt I, I've always been a pretty good writer, um, but I didn't at the time know, I knew what I wanted to do, I didn't know how to go about doing it. And in the time where I, I, when I graduated high school, I mean, the, the centennial sports journalism program that I went to that Jim taught at where I, I met Jim, the great Jim daddy is that that didn't exist at the time. And, and a, a lot of the other programs that exist now, and there are so many of them where you can go and, and get that good education and get your, your foot in the door. A lot of those didn't exist at the time. So I, I, I initially, I thought that I wanted to be in retail management. I, I was in banking for a little bit and it was actually through my, my job at uh, the bank that I met at the time a friend of Tim McAuliffe and started uh, interning there at the score with him at the time. And that's sort of how I got my foot in the door. But that's also where I, I really realized that, like, okay, this has been my dream. Now I'm, I'm living it to some degree, but I wasn't really doing it. I was watching it. So that's when I'm like, okay, I, I really want to go back to school get the reps, get the experience. And through that, obviously, in addition to meeting people like Jim and, and um, networking in that way, I, I also built up the confidence to, to, to know that I, I'm able to do a lot of these things myself and, and that I can be good at it. So, um, yeah, it, it's amazing how these things sort of happen. It's something that I always wanted to do, but never really thought it was a realistic thing that could be done until I went out and I did it.
You know, Josh, you, you talked about confidence, and, and I can tell you that even from, and I have them still on my hard drive, some of your early assignments, I should should put them up on eBay. I, I don't know what kind of interest <laughs> I would get, but, but even, even the early stuff, you had a very confident delivery. You have a great voice. There's no question about that. So I, I guess, and because, you know, really you've cut your own path, you, you've always sounded like Josh, you, you weren't mimicking anybody. So I, it might be a difficult question, but, I mean, who who did you watch growing up in, in terms of, maybe getting influence of, influences of things that would be comfortable for you to do. I watched Jim Patty. I did. I watched <laughs> you. I mean, you, you were definitely a, an influence of mine. And then getting a chance to meet you and work with you, I, I think that was a big part of it. But, I mean, working with a, a lot of the guys, a lot of the people that I grew up watching were that I, I uh, was influenced by was definitely an early highlight of my career. I mentioned Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sixero as well, both of them, and, and sort of that that younger group at the score, Cabby, um, those are guys that I grew up watching. And I, I think to some degree, like, that that was a big influence of my, at least initially, what I wanted to do on air, and I hope to some degree what I, I do now on air too, where it's not quite, I'm not, I'm not Cabby on the street by any means, but I don't think anybody is quite the same as, as Cabby, but... I always liked the idea of having fun uh, on air and showing my personality. And I hope that's something that came through even early on when I was rusty and didn't know what I was doing is like, I always wanted to be myself. And that definitely came with, I mentioned earlier, experience and confidence, because when you're especially on camera, like early on, starting at 1050 most of what I was doing was radio and then it was writing and it wasn't until a little bit later on in my career that I was doing tv regularly and that was actually the initial vision the initial goal when I went to Centennial College was I wanted to be on tv and actually one of the great things about these programs is you get a little bit of a taste of everything and you get to see that maybe okay there are there are other things that I can do that maybe I didn't consider that maybe I'd be really good at but once get those reps on TV, I think that's what allowed me to be more comfortable because initially you're, you're, you're rigid, you're nervous, um, and, and it's a little bit tougher to loosen up and sort of show some of your personality, and that's something even now, uh, more than a decade into my career, I'm still working on, but yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the things from, from a lot of the people that I watched early on that I really picked up is like, be yourself. Show your personality. Don't just be a, a generic kind of talking head on the camera. Well, Josh, you've done tremendously well in terms of uh, promoting Jim Taddy in this interview. And I'm wondering, <laughs> during the course of the course, as it were, how many times did he say yes, guy, to try to make a point? <laughs> Regularly, but I'm pretty sure we owe him royalties for every time we use it, or at least that's what he tells me. So. Yeah, my, my tab is, has been growing over the years uh, every time I've said yes, guy. I have the figures right in front of me. No, no I'm just kidding. Uh, so let's, let's, let's segue off of this. Yes, the invoice will go out later today. Let, let's segue into your, your beat. So the Raptors uh, have had an interesting offseason again and, and look poised to, to do something. What, what do you expect? And, and it's always a tough question to ask about Raptors' expectations because the story does tend to evolve in, in, in front of you. Uh, uh, so, like, what do you expect going forward with this team this year? Well, what a difference a year makes, right? Because a year ago we were talking about how – young and how new this Raptors team was going to look. Obviously, the biggest thing a year ago was that Kyle Lowry, for the first time in almost a decade, wasn't around. And, and But yeah, last year with Lowry gone, 
obviously, uh, Scotty Barnes, the, the fourth overall pick coming in, nobody really knew what to expect from him. It was going to be a different looking group, a younger group. And, and yeah, I think like nobody really knew what to expect in terms of expectations, certainly in terms of like the national expectations around the NBA for the Raptors, it was pretty low. So uh, a really fun season to cover considering how much they exceeded those expectations. But with that, I think comes higher expectations this year, especially because when you look at the landscape of the NBA, obviously this is the season of change. The summer, every year, there's always quite a a bit of um, transition for most teams, guys in and out. And the Raptors really haven't had that. In fact, Assuming that the roster stays the way that it is right now, going into training camp in late September, the Raptors are going to have the most continuity within the roster of any team in the NBA. So I think, first of all, starting the season, that's always beneficial. And the Raptors were one of the teams that were famous for that through all the Lowry and DeRozan years, where there really wasn't a ton of changeover. And I think under Dwayne Casey and then eventually under Nick Nurse, that really helped going into a season in training camp where you've got a lot of returning guys that know the system, that understand the system, especially now under Nick Nurse with a really complex defensive system. That really helps because we saw last year where it took a lot of the younger guys time to pick it up. And by the end of the season, they were a little bit um, more comfortable with it. So I think that'll help. And then just in terms of the youth of this team, this is a really big offseason for them, and not in the way that it, it, I know that Kevin Durant's name was out there and the Raptors were linked to him. It still could happen. I don't think that it will. They could still make a big move. I don't think that they will. Uh, but even without a, a first-round pick, even without a major signing outside of Otto Porter Jr. or a major transaction, this was still a really big and is still a really big offseason for them behind the scenes, in the gym, because this team is going to rely on internal growth in order to take the next step next season. Seeing is is the fun here. Like, you have to watch the story develop. There's no question about that. Josh, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Talk soon. Josh Lewenberg, our Raptors reporter. And, Perry, we had the pleasure of having a coffee with Herb Braley, one of our sponsors. Our original sponsor has done now all 87 editions of Yes, Guy, and that was an enjoyable conversation the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, Herb's got a concert. He's also a, a promoter in his spare time, and he's going to be uh, doing a show with Carol Pope of Rough Trade fame. The show is at the Warehouse Concert Hall in St. Catharines on August the 12th, and he told me to say that uh, tickets are available, $45 a piece. Doors open at 8 p.m. and can be purchased that night on at warehouseniagara.com and proceeds are in support of baby breaths canada so herb's doing big things out there yeah he is very involved in things a community guy to say the very least and if you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage contact charles park managing broker remax quest realty brokerage charles offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring for a confidential interview call charles at 647-292-8886 or email charles at remax west Dot com. Master your game strategy with the Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and tons more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, the radio show. Chip Taddy and Perry Left go with you on TSN 1050. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial Advisor Herb Braley. Ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 
or visit his website, BrailleyAdvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Stay safe, stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. And you go to fox40shop.com for that. Guest number two, the booming voice of Rod Smith is with us now. Rod, how are you today, sir? Yes, Guy. Good to talk to you again, Jim. Curry, how you guys doing? <laughs> well, we're, we're doing good. We just had Josh Lewenberg on, and now we've dropped a couple of octaves, and we've got Rod Smith on. So I think I'm going to lower my voice. To, to compete with it. I don't know if I can do this. It's going to hurt. No, are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> when I look at your career, Rod, I mean, you literally, and I'm a big fan of this because I, I did a similar thing. You did this piece by piece, didn't you? The uh, what the announcing bit, like just uh, de- yeah. developing the craft, yeah. you mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, will, yeah. I will say that. And I didn't mean talk about uh, I was a fan of yours watching Sportsline all those years. Oh, especially no. And everything you did. No, sir. What? Hey, Perry, you were too. Uh, anyway. Come on. Um, no, it's. I will say. I will say this, and and uh, and, and I appreciate your your compliments about about my voice and everything else. But as you well know, there's a lot more to it than that. And I, I used to listen to a lot of uh, a lot of greats, including, by the way, Vince Scully, who passed away, and and storytelling ability and inflection and, and everything else. And I, I truly think. I mean, you know, I guess tone and timbre of voice do matter in some instances, but I sometimes think it doesn't matter at all. It, it depends on your ability to. Um, enunciate, articulate uh, your inflection, um, all the things you put into, you know, how words are used. And I think that that's something that uh, we can all, we all developed in our careers over time. You know, Rod, every time I hear those commercials with you in a restaurant chain, I'm always, you know, ready to go grab some ribs. Do you get paid with ribs or or real money? (laughs) I tried to get paid with ribs, but they were, uh, instead of it, it was only, it was only money. So unfortunately, so no, no, it was, um, it's been, those things have been, uh, have been fun to do. And I haven't done a lot of them, but, um, but it's, um, it's a trade night. Then you know what? That's the highest compliment you can pay, Perry. If it makes you hungry for the product that they're advertising, then I think that's awesome. Great. So Rod, Jim just referenced your voice. I'm wondering at what point, and I asked this to somebody else, Josh Lundberg, at what point did you know you wanted to go into sports broadcasting? Well, um, I think this, this sounds bizarre, but I think I knew before I knew. In other words, I was studying life sciences at, at Queens, and I was very good at science and math and, and thinking something along the lines of medicine. And uh, my motivation, I had good marks in high school to get into university. And once I did, um, I just wasn't into it anymore. And I would inadvertently, without even knowing why, record NFL films on, on audio cassette. I would record you know, football games, other sporting events, documentaries, things. And I didn't even know why I was doing it. I just liked it. I liked the way I used to think it was the content. It was the football. It was other things, just political documentaries, anything else. And then I realized later what I really liked was how stories are put together and how they're told and how they're narrated. So that was a big part of it. Um, but I had the passion for it But before I even understood why I did. So I guess um, once I didn't finish at Queens and I, I transferred to um, – to go to uh, Ryerson, what used to be known as Ryerson University, and um, Toronto Metropolitan University now, I believe. And and um, that's when I got focused into sports, and, and I knew what I wanted to do. And um, that was that was a big turning point in my life. Rod, I want to go back to when you said you were, you know, you'd, you'd study um, 
different inflections and, and the way uh, other people would do things. Vin Scully's just a, a great uh, reference point. I don't know that anybody could ever, ever, uh, uh, you know, copy that, but, but there are things that, you know, theory, when, when you're, you're trying to build yourself, you go with theory. You're not trying to, to mimic, although mimicking does come into it a little bit. So I guess the, the broad question is out of this, as you're piecing yourself together, when does the real Rod Smith show up on a broadcast in your mind? Uh, it's a, that's a great question. I, uh, I like to think it just it just happens naturally through a process of taking bits and pieces from different people. I think I think people do that whether they know they're doing it or not. Um, and you know, and I wonder, Jim, if you've done the same. If you somebody that you, if it was some announcer that you grew up really liking, and, and you might take bits and pieces from their style, and and uh, oh. you would never you'd never directly copy because that would be too obvious, and you want to be your own person. But I. I I really believe that you take bits and pieces, whether you even know you're doing it or not, about a certain style, the way it's said, the type of words being used, everything else. But ultimately, I think we all become what what we are is, you know, it's it ends up being, I guess, the sum of all the uh, all the parts that we've accumulated over time, being inspired by different people. Well, that's the truth of it. I think that when you're, you know, in your early stages in school and, and maybe your first job or two, all you can do is is uh, not mimic, but but remember how somebody else did it that you were influenced by as you were growing up. And, and what really burns that off is the reps. And so, uh, yeah. you know, if you're doing five or six sportscasts a day, or and you know, television's a little different, but if you're in radio and doing five or six a shift uh, times. Uh, you know, whatever, how many weeks, uh, sorry, would it be like 250 show or 250 work days a year? Yeah. I mean, you just yeah. burn all of that off and you become you, don't you? You do. You really do. It evolves that way. And, and mistakes are, are, they're not wonderful at the time, but they're great teachers and, and you learn what to do and what not to do and try not to make, make that mistake again. And, and uh, I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, it applies to sports too, where reps are always important. In a game like football, I mean, the more experience you get, uh, the better. But I found, I found in just doing something again and again, if you're afforded the opportunity uh, to keep getting in there and working on it, and if you really care and try to perfect your craft, then, you know, you should learn from the things that you don't do well and then learn from the things you do think you're doing well and, and build on that. And um, it's a wonder, the experience is a wonderful teacher. I mean, uh, let's not kid ourselves. And, and by the way, about Vince Scully, too, I mean, for, I, I, there's probably so many. Thousands. I can't imagine how many broadcasters uh, modeled some aspect of Vin Scully into what they do. I know I try. In terms of, to, to me, he was a master storyteller, and he was, and he, he excelled at baseball, which afforded the opportunity to tell stories because of the spacing between pitches and everything else. But I thought he was so good at it, so genuine, and that really defined who he was. I think. But I think in anything, I, I love good storytelling in a, in a sporting event um and uh and he was a master at it rod i just read an article on queen's alumni review written by curtis rush six years ago in which yeah, referred remember. to as mr smith all the way through so mr smith <laughs> you played as an offensive lineman at queen's now you're uh, broadcasting the canadian football league i mean it must have been an interesting transition because you know the game so well Thank you, Perry. Um, I was, uh, and I remember that uh, sitting down and talking to Curtis about it. And I wanted to make it clear to him because it's called Queens Alumni. I wanted to make it clear I'm not technically alumni. I did not graduate. I didn't finish. I left halfway through, and and I transferred schools. And my ambition was to play in the CFL, and it was heartbreaking for me. I was so torn. Um, 
but you know, you don't, my, my goal and certainly my, someone, my parents wanted for me to go to school just to play football. Um, I was there to get an education and it wasn't working out. I just didn't see, I wasn't inspired, uh, by sciences and math anymore. And I wanted to do something. I wanted to do what I'm doing now. And, um, I couldn't play football anymore. So after a couple of years of playing, I left and, uh, and that was really hard because I, I did have this dream of uh, playing the CFL. So it's, I'll tell you, the, the, it definitely helped me in some ways because when I had a chance in the early days of TSN when they were doing Canadian University football, I was given an opportunity to get involved in it. And it ultimately led to play-by-play and CFL and a lot of good things. And I do think um, the experiences that I had going uh, to Queens definitely helped me out that way. I, I, I have some regrets uh, academically, certainly, but uh, I still think it was a great experience and I wouldn't trade it. Well, Rod, you said you covered university football, then they threw you onto the desk forever. Did you ever say, hey, man, can I cover the CFL? Yeah, um, that's another one. I had the chance um, in the late 90s. I started calling games uh, along with uh, John Wells and Gord Miller in 1998, we kind of split the play-by-play duties. And I had about 20 games that year. I'd been doing Vanier Cups. I'd been doing, I was our CIS guy, our Canadian University guy. And I was given the chance to do it more. And with a young family, um, and it would have meant not only football season, but it would have meant becoming a play-by-play guy and being on the road year-round. And I just didn't want to do that. Um, I didn't want to be away from home that much at that particular point in time when the kids were so young. And so I, uh, I chose the studio um, because it had to be one or the other. There wasn't at the time they didn't have hybrid positions where you could do the desk for part of the year and then hit the road. They wanted to find play-by-play people and hosts, um, studio hosts. And so I went that route and, and, and I got to do a few games filling in, but along the way, um, and then we had Rod Black and Chris Cuthbert came along and there were really no, um, they didn't need other football play-by-play guys. So I got slotted in the studio and I was fine. I had a lot of years that I really enjoyed doing that too. So uh, no regrets, but I, I must admit, I was trying to get back in, you know, later when the family grows up, I've the last few years, I've been really interested in if an opportunity came up to get back and do play-by-play before I call it a career. So it kind of worked out that way. And, um, and, and I'm happy now to get that chance. You know, except for the, the knowledge, which you obviously apply in your broadcast, but was there anything in football that prepared you for broadcasting, you know, that you could rely on to help you in broadcasting? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, uh, I think so. I mean, I didn't um, – I got a taste of playing at the Canadian University level and playing with um, people who went on to play in the CFL, and I knew what, what they were like and how they prepared and how they worked out and trained and everything like that. And so I felt like I was immersed enough. I felt I was immersed enough in the game um, at the Canadian university level that um, I could at least imagine what it was like and covering training camps and everything else uh, to take a step further. So I feel like I had a bit of an understanding of a football dressing room and the camaraderie and, um, and the preparation and, um, and what coaches do and everything else. Uh, maybe, maybe rudimentary compared to the pros, but still enough to feel comfortable in a football environment and to talk about the game um, with, you know, a, a more authority than if I'd never played it at all. So I think that did help me. Uh, and I wished I'd had a chance to, to take it a step further, but I still think it, it's something, put it this way, I'd, I'd get up there and I'd, a game would start and it reminds me of sitting around with some friends uh, over a beer and we'd do the same thing. We would just sit and watch a game and talk and somebody would make some point about a missed block or a, 
you know, defensive formation or, you know, how, whether it's a good time to blitz or, or drop back in coverage, all these other just strategic things, watching with a bunch of friends who know and like watching football. Um, and that experience, I find it, it's somewhat similar when you get up in the booth and the game starts and, and it's a, it's a great joy to just start talking about the game, what happened and having a good analyst beside you to, to break it down and, and explain what happened and why. So um, I, I just think being around the game, Jim, um, you know, gave me a good enough understanding to feel very comfortable calling it. I hate to put you on the spot, but, but, uh, and it's a tough question to ask without any prep, but best day and worst day in broadcasting. Can you come up with that? Best day and worst day in broadcasting in, um, wow. The, well, the best day for me, the best day for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting uh, the, the biggest thrill was the start of, uh, the great cup in Hamilton last year. That was, uh, that was a dream come true. I'd always wanted to do one. And that was um, uh, that was just sheer joy. I'm trying to I'm trying to think in terms of a football game, a worst day. Um, the the worst day, uh, the one um, that I remember the most was actually in studio. Um, we did a show on 9/11, um, and we were we we debated all day whether we should do one or yeah. not. It was really an interesting debate. I mean, I well, interesting is probably the wrong choice of words. It was such a horrific day. Um, and yet we thought we're an all sports channel. So anyone tuning into us, maybe they've spent their entire day watching CTV or CBC or CNN, and maybe they just need to get away from it for a bit. And obviously our content is, is not going to be that much different because, uh, you know, no one really wants to talk about sports. There are no sports now. It doesn't matter now. And, um, we ended up, uh, having, we ended up actually having some news about those, uh, unfortunately who were, uh, who were victims of that, uh, that very tragic day. Uh, from the sports world. And um, we felt like we were making a bit of a contribution in terms of uh, delivering some news on that day. So um, uh, I ended up at, at, at first. So I remember wondering, I, I just, I just wanted to go home. Most people did. I just, you just want to go home and hug your kids. And, and, and that was, that was probably the toughest day because it just didn't feel right doing anything for a sports channel on that particular day. And I think everybody felt the same way, but we decided to go ahead with it, and, and ultimately, I didn't regret it. I mean, because I thought we, uh, I thought we did justice to what we were talking about that day. But that was probably the toughest. Ron, I want to thank you for your time, and it's it's a it's a thrill to consider you a friend. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, my pleasure, guys, both of you. Thank you. I I really appreciate this conversation. Rod Smith, ladies and gentlemen, this segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one eight seven 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 three four three zero five five or visit his website BraleyAdvisors.com. With thirty one years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute in all your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back. Yes Guy, the radio show, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. 
Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Be prepared on the ice with the Fox 40 hockey products like the Fox 40 Call, Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. Let's bring in guest number three now, Jason Portwondo. Jason, how are you today, sir? <laughs> this is the closest I've been to a cleanup spot, so I'll take it. I'll take number three. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody knows you for your broadcast work, but, I mean, the, the hidden story, <laughs> Perry tells me, is, is your actual connection to horse racing, which actually runs deeper. So so give us a, a bit of a sketch on that. Okay, how much time do you guys have? I mean, geez, it started when I was, like, five or six, and, and it was actually with the harness horses. I mean, people look at me. Uh, they see my size, they see, you know, I'm a black guy, and not a lot of black people, guys, in harness racing, but that's where I actually started. So the first introduction, yeah, the first taste was harness racing at Greenwood, and then just to fast forward, met Kevin Attard, who is now a trainer at Woodbine, and back then his dad was training, he still is training now at Tino, but uh, yeah, I've worked with all three breeds, started harness, and then I went thoroughbred, mixed in a little quarter horse, so... Once horses gets in, uh, once horses get in your blood, that's it. It's there for life. Jason, you spent a long time in broadcasting, and now you just threw it all away to become <laughs> a steward. And the stewards are like the referees, and everybody hates the referees. Why did you do it? That, that's a good question. You know, that's a really good question because when you've done something for as long as I have, and I, I know you guys know this as well. I mean, it's 26 years for me being a broadcaster. I just said, you know what, it's time. It's time for a new challenge. To me, I always like to, you know, learn and just keep expanding and challenging the brain. And to me, this was, you know, an easy decision. As much as it was hard, it was easy because, you know, I've done TV and radio so long, that's what I've always known. And then this position was available. And I said, you know what, at least I know racing, which is the, the denominator. At least the common denominator is there in terms of thoroughbred racing, harness racing, quarter horse racing. I said, uh, I'm going to go from a position where everybody seems to like you somewhat to, yeah, where people are going to hate you. Because regardless of the sport, once you put on the stripes, as you guys know, you're up for, you know, a lot of um, disgruntledness, if you will. Just because people are going to love the call or hate the call, but you're never going to make everybody happy. But career-wise, I think it's a really good move. And hopefully the final job for me to ride off into the sunset. Well, Woodbine did the broadcasting for a lot of the horse races on TSN. And uh, a lot of people don't know that you were actually on a horse during the broadcast, just sort of giving a a racetrack view of what was happening. What was that experience like? It was amazing. You know, so the fact that I, I have horses as part of my life and then broadcasting and then a chance to, you know, marry the two. Pardon the pun, but it's the perfect exacta, right? I mean, what more could I ask for? I'm out there with the animals I love the most and a chance to, you know, be in the career that I love the most, which is broadcasting. So, yeah, very unique. So, I mean, when I applied at Woodbine, there are way more people that um, had more experience in terms of broadcasting than I did. But the key for me was the fact that I had the, the horse racing edge over them and the fact that I knew thoroughbred racing. I, I, I knew harness racing. So that was what got me the job. But I've got no complaints. Woodbine has been so great to me over the years. And um, I'm still going to be back there officiating. So instead of handicapping, I'm now officiating. But, yeah, this is uh, a job that, you know, one that I didn't see coming about 10, 15 years ago. But all of a sudden, you know, now it came to fruition. And 
you know, as they say, nothing happens before it's time, right? Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, you've covered all these sports. Uh, to me, horse racing is uh, in its own category. There's just something different about it, and, and I don't know what it is. Could you put that into words? What, what's different about horse racing from the other sports? You're 100% right, Jim. It's not up there with, uh, you know, the famous four, if you will, you know, baseball, hockey, football, basketball. I'm going to put it kind of in the same category as maybe curling because it's unique. Not everybody does it. Not everybody knows the rules. Not everybody knows what it's all about. And, um, yeah, most people that are into a sport like a curling or a horse racing, something different, maybe even cricket, it's through the bloodlines. I mean, a lot of my friends growing up didn't even know what horse racing was. I, I said I'm, I'm working in racing, and they thought I meant cars. They didn't even know I was talking about horse racing, right? So it's It's unique. Either you like it or you don't. Uh, we're trying to get some younger people involved because, you know, a lot of the the generations of the diehard betters, you know, they're getting older. And we need to get new blood into the game. And a lot of people are trying to do this. But it's a lot easier with, with those sports like basketball, baseball, and hockey, as talked about. Um, but with horse racing, yeah, it's just it's just not as well known. And I, and I find that people that are into it, like I said, it's either because – of a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a grandfather. So we're trying to change that little by little. And I think the exposure that we're getting because of everything that's going on around racing, we're trying to make it that um, kind of that one-stop shopping. If you look around Woodbine, they're going to have entertainment facilities. They're building a new soccer pitch, hotels. So, yeah, word of mouth is important. And I think just being in the right place at the right time is going to help out this sport. Jason, I'm wondering if you've had any nightmares since you took over the job about perhaps working the Queen's plate and the favorite being disqualified. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's one thing that to, you know, have a new job at my age, but it's another thing to have a new job and a brand new career at the same time. So it's not like I went from, say, you know, working at one TV or radio station to another. I went from doing TV radio to, yeah, no, being an official. You worry about those things. The, the worst thing that can happen for an official is to put the wrong numbers on the board. You can do anything else, but putting the wrong numbers on the board is awful because now you're paying out twice. You got to pay out the wrong numbers and you got to pay out the right numbers. And then right there with it, guys, is the fact of yeah, you're right. You know, hoping that you make the right call when it comes to, you know, an infraction, a violation. But the good news is we always have a three-person system, so it's not just one person making that decision. We have three of us in the stand. Majority rules, so if, if two say, you know, one way, well, the other one's decision actually doesn't really matter because, obviously, as Meatloaf said, two out of three eat bad. So, in this case, two out of three is good enough. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's not just one person, guys. So, as much as it's pressure-packed, three of us are up there making that decision collectively. So, it's, uh, you know, it's a joint decision. Okay, you gave us a tip there in terms of, you know, what you're doing, but I, and I don't want you to betray any confidences, but what does the right. steward do in terms of where you are, what you're looking at, and the decisions you have to make? Yeah, okay, so basically on the harness side, we're called judges. Same thing. So, we're looking at pylon infractions. Did a driver go inside a pylon to gain an, uh, an unfair advantage? Did a horse get a fair start? Um, did a horse go off stride and try to lose ground? So there's various violations and rules. Thoroughbred racing, a little bit more kind of cut and dry. Did anybody get cut off? Did anybody get bounced at the start? Um, was it an unfair start? So basically, we're just upholding the integrity of the sport, just like any other official. So we're trying to make it a level playing field for the, for the horse people involved, also trying to make it a level playing field for the betters. I mean, without the betters, 
there's no racing, right? They're the ones paying, you know, our paycheck, so to speak, right? And um, we're just trying to make sure that everything is done on a level playing field. Even afterwards, horses are tested, um, whether it's a, a blood sample, a urine sample, just to make sure no drugs are involved. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just making sure everything is being done with integrity. Okay, very quickly, I just want to say you yeah. do a podcast with Donovan Bailey, so perhaps you can yeah. tell people a little, a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's my only bit of media left in me because uh, my final show was on TSN on June the 18th. That was the North America Cup at Mohawk. I, I dropped the mic after that. I did a radio um, hit. But, yeah, so this is it. I got a podcast. We're right now on hiatus. Donovan's a busy guy. Of course, he recently got the order, finally, uh, Order of Canada, which was well-deserved. Uh, he was doing a bunch of other stuff in terms of being across Canada. So we're back at it for Season 3 coming up in September. Uh, check your local podca- uh, podcast provider. You know you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff. And we cover everything. Obviously, track is a main thing for Donovan and I. But we do lifestyle, entertainment. We do hard news, music. So, yeah, we give you a little bit of everything. So it, it, it's a fun, lighthearted podcast, but also can be hard-hitting when it needs to be. Jason, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you stopping by and all the best. It sounds like you, you've made the right decision and you're, you're going to have some fun with this. Uh, hey, guys, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you are considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact him on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute in all your way. Turner and Porter, funeral directors, let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, no Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned Yes Guy, No Guy, and Yes Guy, the radio show, sponsored by, insert your company name here, yes, this could be you, this is our only sponsorship available on Yes Guy, No Guy at this particular time, you could be sponsoring this, your company name there, and you could be playing Yes Guy, No Guy with Perry and I, but in the meantime, we'll continue on, Perry, go ahead, sir. Josh Lewenberg made your day with all the nice things he said about you. Oh, absolutely, yes, guy. I mean, that's what it's all about when you're uh, an instructor, a teacher, professor, whatever, whatever the title is, and you meet somebody for the first time, and you're trying to to see what they have. And, and that that was a post grad course at Centennial, so I mean, this was serious stuff. This was, uh, you know, people that wanted to get into the business, and, and he came to the uh, course already uh, you know, with that MBA knowledge and great delivery, and, and just thrilled to be able to uh, be his instructor at one point and to work with him on a regular basis now. So an emphatic. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. No, guy. Winnipeg will run the table in the CFL this season. I don't think they're going to run the table. I think the BC Lions are going to beat them at some point. But I will say that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will win the Grey Cup. I'm saying it right now. Oh, okay. Well, there goes one of my yes, guy, no, guys. Go ahead, sir. All right. Rod Smith has one of the greatest voices in broadcasting right now. Uh, an emphatic yes guy, a very nice guy as well, and just a great broadcaster and doesn't get caught up with his voice. So, so for those out there that are thinking about getting into broadcasting and somebody says you've got a great voice, that's one thing. But then you have to be able to use it a certain way uh, to get the point across instead of some people get fall in love with their own voice and that's no good. So you have to relate to people. So an emphatic yes guy on the Rod Smith, which brings about this question. Yes guy, no guy. After listening to the dulcet tones of Josh Lewenberg and Rod Smith and this broadcast you now feel vocally inadequate 
Yes, guy, but I'm a writer, so I don't care what my voice sounds like. My voice comes out in my words. Yeah, well, yes, guy, your, your, your words speak for you. Well said. Go ahead, sir. When the Jays acquired Whit Merrifield, they knew ahead of time he was going to get the vaccine. I'm going to say, and in fact, yes, guy, to that. I mean, nobody goes into these situations hoping that it works out. You have to know. So I would hope that the answer would be yes, guy. Uh, yes, guy, no guy. Live Golf will win its antitrust suit against the PGA Tour. I'm on the fence about that guy, but I'm going to hope that it's no guy because I really feel that this is all about money. They've totally tried to buy out the best players in uh, the PGA, but they didn't get Tiger Woods, so that's a major fail on their part. Well, it is, but the question would be, is what they have done illegal? The answer would be no, and then the other question would be, is what the PGA Tour done legal? And that might be a, a no as well. So we'll leave it on that. Hope you enjoyed episode 87. Hope you come back next week for episode 88. Thanks to Josh Lewenberg, Rod Smith, and Jason Portwando. Yes, guy!